Well, I'll tell you, I came tonight to preach a message that the Lord gave me this afternoon, and I went down to the office there just a little while to preach and or to pray, and uh, God just gave me a sermon just within five minutes. And, uh, and uh, if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes uh, God just gives you something so quick that you know it's of the Lord. And so I want to be obedient to God tonight. I don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. I want to do exactly what the Lord would have me to do. And uh, even in this meeting, I've tried to be sensitive to not be persuaded uh, by anything, anything, results or non-results. Just, you know, that still small voice. That's that's the only thing that matters. Amen. And and I'll be honest with you, I don't have no direct... uh, a special line with God. I get around some preachers and people, and uh, you know, I don't know, but I just know uh, I struggle a lot of times in finding the will of God because I want to do what God wants me to do. Amen. Not what man would want, and not what I would want, but what the Lord would want. But this passage of scripture came to me uh, this afternoon as I was just praying and reading Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 36. If you're able to stand with us for the next few moments. And normally in a service like this, I probably wouldn't even preach unless I just felt very compelled to do so. And I've certainly enjoyed every testimony that uh, the Lord has uh, allowed people to give tonight. Matthew 26 and verse 36. The Bible said in verse 36 of Matthew 26, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were very heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you tonight for letting us be in church. Thank you for what you're doing in this place tonight, God, and through uh, your people. I pray, God, tonight that you'll take and touch the message. I ask you, Lord, if you would, to... Uh, work in our hearts and help us tonight, God, to receive with meekness the engrafted word. God, I pray that you'd bind the devil tonight. And Lord, I ask you if you would, just give us liberty to preach for the next few moments. And may you be glorified. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number 36. And I want you to think for just a few moments tonight about this place uh, of Gethsemane. And when I think about this, the Bible says in verse 36, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. And I want you to think about the place of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane uh, simply means olive press. And it's important. I think every Christian should have a Gethsemane in their life. 
I think every church should have a Gethsemane uh, in every church. And you say, well, preacher, what is uh, this place of Gethsemane, this olive uh, press? Uh, Well, uh, this place of Gethsemane is that place of surrender and it's that place of submission. And when you think about this revival meeting and you think about what God has done and what God is doing, that has certainly been the theme throughout the very beginning is that uh, God has been, I believe, calling us as individuals and as as a church that we might move up closer and that we might surrender and submit not our will but God's will be done. Amen. And I think about the place of Gethsemane and then I want to say this tonight concerning that place that Jesus goes to this place and uh, it's not that Jesus went here to find the will of God because uh, uh, there are some things concerning the will of God and Jesus we ought to understand. Uh, First of all Jesus knew the will of God. Somebody say amen. And then secondly, Jesus never wrestled with the will of God. Jesus was surrendered to do the Father's will from the very beginning before the foundations of this world. And so Jesus knew the will of God and Jesus never wrestled with the will of God. And I want to say this tonight, that Jesus never resisted the will of God. Amen. Uh, Jesus was always willing to do what the Father had called him to do. But Gethsemane was a place of surrender and submission in the life of Christ because that when Jesus went to Gethsemane, the olive press in his life was that uh, even though he was surrendered to the will of God, he did not want to drink that cup. Amen? And you cannot fault him for that uh, uh, because Christ as much as he loved God, uh, he did not want to drink the bitter cup. Uh, In other words, he was willing to become sin, but there was no pleasure, there was no joy in Christ becoming sin uh, so that you and I uh, could have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. It was repulsive to him to drink the cup of sin because he was so holy. But nevertheless, he said, Thy, not my will, but thy will be done. And there's this place of Gethsemane. And then there's the purpose of Gethsemane. I see in verse 36 that involved prayer. As Jesus said in verse 36, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Now, it's clear that the purpose of Gethsemane was that it involved prayer. Jesus went there uh, to pray and to talk to the Father. And then in verse 37, it involved people. Notice that uh, Christ surrounds himself uh, with Peter, James, and John. He does that because he wants encouragement. And I think that's interesting that even Christ uh, uh, needed encouragement in this walk of life. And woe to the individual that thinks they need nobody. Amen. Uh, Woe to the man that thinks uh, he doesn't need a kind word of encouragement. Hey friend, every one of us uh, uh, needs to be encouraged from time to time. Amen. And this was a place of uh, uh, that involved uh, prayer. And it was a place that involved people And then it was a place that involved pain. Notice what Jesus said in verse 37 and verse 38. He began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Now it was in Gethsemane that Christ experienced every kind of pain that man could ever experience. 
And these two verses reveal that, though it's not the message. I want you to see this tonight in this pain that Christ involved. I see here that it was mental pain. As the Bible said, he was sorrowful and very heavy. Mentally and emotionally, Jesus experienced the pain of Gethsemane. And then there was the spiritual pain. As he said in verse 38, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Then there's the physical, as he said, even unto death. So there's the pain of Gethsemane. This was their purpose is that God was pressing all of this in uh, to Christ. You say, preacher, what do you say? I'm saying we all need Gethsemanes in our life. We cannot live the Christian life uh, and everything just be comfort and ease and everything just be joyful. Uh, God will give us joy in the midst of our sorrow. I understand that. But there's gonna be some painful situations in life. And I see the pain of Gethsemane and then, or the purpose of Gethsemane, but then I see the path. And this is what I want to preach on a few moments tonight. Notice the Bible says in verse number 39, and he went a little farther. Well, I'll tell you, as I was praying this afternoon and just asking God and seeking God's will, it seemed like the Lord just hung that phrase on my heart, and he went a little farther. When you think about the path of Gethsemane, uh, this path was little. As the Bible said, Jesus went a little farther. He didn't go much farther. I believe because of the strength and because of the anguish uh, or because of all the depression that Christ was going through, the sorrow uh, that he was facing, uh, uh, Christ is now at what would be known as his weakest point of humanity. And all of a sudden, Jesus goes a little bit farther. As I was thinking about that, I think there's times in all of our lives as Christians and even as a church that God calls us to go a little farther. This path was little. This path was lonely. As Jesus goes into Gethsemane, he leaves eight men at the gate. He takes three with him inside Gethsemane's garden to pray at the Mount of Olives. But as you see, Jesus goes a little farther and the road begins to narrow as Christ gets closer to do God's will. Do you know that in serving God, you have to be willing to go a little farther? And as we go a little bit farther, you got to be willing to leave others behind, even good men and, and people that, that, that are in support of who we are and what we're doing. Uh, uh, not all of us can walk hand in hand. There comes those places of sorrow. There comes those places of suffering. Uh, there comes those Gethsemane experiences in our life uh, when it seems as though that it is just us and God walking all alone. Those are places of submission and surrender. Much of what this revival has been emphasizing. I see that this place was low, as the Bible says in verse number 38. Notice this. The Word of God said he fell on his face. If you want to know tonight where God is trying to get every one of us, right there's the answer. He wants to get us on our face. From the pulpit to the pew, no work for God can ever be accomplished until we get on our face. No power can ever be, uh, uh, my friend, uh, uh, can ever be uh, given as a resource in our life. Uh, uh, listen, no walls can ever be penetrated. Uh, uh, no walk with God can ever become alive uh, until you and I are willing to get on our face. Well, it's a low place, isn't it? 
And I see that this place was low, but it was large. Because it's on his face. Notice what Jesus says while he's on his face. As his face is pressed into the ground, Jesus, in the very dirt itself, says, Oh, my Father, if it be possible. I wonder tonight what is possible if we just get on our face. I wonder tonight what is possible if we just go a little farther. I was praying this afternoon and God just hung that verse on my heart and gave me this message on the benefits of going a little farther. The benefits of pressing on and pressing through. You see, the truth of Gethsemane is this, and you don't need to miss this tonight. The truth of Gethsemane is not everybody wants to go to Gethsemane. Do you know that tonight? Not everybody's lining up to get into the garden with Jesus before the cross. Not everybody wants to pray until their sweat becomes great drops of love. Not everybody wants the sorrow and the heaviness and the anguish and the pain and the loneliness. Not everybody wants to feel the oppression that Jesus felt in Gethsemane. Not everybody wants to go to Gethsemane. Not everybody wants revival in a church. Now everybody may say they want revival. But with revival comes a price tag. With revival means that we have to be willing to give more of ourself and more to others and more of our schedules and more of things that consume every one of us, uh, this preacher included, more of our time and more of our treasures and more of our talents. Uh, Gethsemane, not everybody wants. Do you want to go to Gethsemane tonight? Do you want to go a little farther with God? Because I'm telling you, not everybody wants to go to Gethsemane. Not everybody gets to go to Gethsemane. Eight of them was left at the gate. They didn't get to go inside. Peter, James, and John, Jesus took them in three places. He took them up on the Mount of Transfiguration and and showed them His glory. He took them inside Jairus' house uh, and resurrected that uh, young daughter and, and showed them His power. But here inside of Gethsemane, He takes them inside the garden uh, and He shows them His anguish. Uh, and can I tell you, that's what Paul said, that I may know Him and the power, the fellowship of His sufferings uh, and the power of his resurrection. Amen. Now, listen, you can't know one without knowing the other, but not everybody gets to go inside the gate. And I don't know about you tonight, but I don't want to be left on the outside of that gate. I don't want to be standing on the outside wondering what's going on on the inside. I want to go wherever Jesus is going to go. Not everybody gets to go. Not everybody wants to go. And not everybody stays awake inside of Gethsemane. Jesus has got these three disciples inside the garden of Gethsemane. Now you think about what we're talking about. We're talking about Christ praying before Calvary. We're talking about Jesus at a point when he needed man the most and man went to sleep. Can I tell you it's no different tonight in our churches? God needs us more tonight 
He does. I know that God don't need us in the sense that He can work and operate without us. But the truth of the of the fact is this: He's not going to operate without us. Man is God's tool, and it's just like you may know how to work on a car, but you need that tool to work on that car. God has chose by His own will and His own volition. He's not preaching the gospel through angels. He's not changing the world through angels. He's not doing it through miracles. God's tool is man and God's operation is the church and if this world has ever changed the tool that God uses will be the church. But many times when God needs us the most the church is just like the disciples we're asleep. You know the greatest fear tonight I have as a pastor is not whether or not I'm going to have a paycheck. It's not the size of crowd that I pastor. I'll tell you the greatest fear tonight I have as a pastor is that we will no longer have the presence of God. I fear that more than any program. I fear it more than any number on a board. I fear that tonight more than, 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 than having, a, listen, than all the things that comes with the ministry. I fear not having the presence of God. I'm telling you tonight, too many churches, and every one of us could name them tonight. We know churches that have larger numbers than we have. They have more money than we have. They have more programs and more plans. And, and I, I, listen, they've got more things going on than what we have going on. But that's all they have tonight. I'm telling you, when a church does not have the presence of God, you say, preacher, don't you think we have the presence of God? Sure, we have the presence of God. But my greatest fear is that if we're not careful and if we don't uh, get inside the garden with Jesus, uh, if we're not willing to go a little farther in our life uh, and a little further in our Christian walk and a little further in our church, uh, what we have today could very well be gone tomorrow and then we don't have anything. Uh, all of the buildings uh, and all the programs. I don't care if there's $500,000 in the bank. What good is money if you ain't got no God to bless it? Amen. I'm telling you, friend, we need the presence of God. As David said, to see thy power in thy glory so as I've seen thee in the sanctuary. We need God more than we need intellect. We need God more than we need a good reputation in the community. We need God more than we need a name on a church sign. Amen. I'm simply saying this. It's not everybody stays awake in Gethsemane. And I've watched people in some of the best churches. Choir be singing. A preacher be preaching. And spiritually they're asleep. Inside the gate. Tonight, I think the question that will be on all of our hearts is am I willing to go a little farther? Am I willing to pay the price? Am I willing to go all the way with Jesus tonight? Am I willing, I'm inside the gate, but I'm awake. Oh, to to have been awake when Jesus prayed John 17 in that prayer. 
Of all the prayers that Jesus prayed, the one prayer that's most recorded of his pouring out of himself, uh, the prayer where he prayed for himself, he prayed for the disciples, and then he prayed for the whole world. Uh, John chapter 17, uh, oh, to have been there, we can read about it, but to have witnessed it, to have seen those sweat uh, that became as great drops of blood uh, falling from the face of our Lord, uh, to have gathered close by, to have encouraged him as he talked to the Father in a moment when we could have been a blessing. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? You probably would say the same thing I would say. Ain't no way I'm going to sleep inside Gethsemane. But I wonder how many times have we went to sleep spiritually? Sit in a good church? Just sit through a service? Just preach through a service? I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody else. Uh, you know what revival's about? It's about getting us out of our rut. It's about making things come alive to us again. It's about us getting thrilled about what we once used to be thrilled about. It's about us moving up closer and committing. It's about instead of warming a church pew, saying I'm tired of just sitting around in the same old stale mood I'm in, never moving forward, never going anywhere in my Christian life and just existing. But it's about making a difference. It's about getting closer to Him. It's about feeling His presence. It's about, my friend, walking hand in hand with Jesus, not just as an individual, but as a church. Amen. You know, there's a statement that I've probably heard a handful of times in this church. And I hear it from younger Christians, new people. They make the statement, and I'm not being critical to them, but the statement bothers me. When sometimes they'll say, well, I remember when I first came here how it was. Now, y'all probably hadn't heard that, but I've heard it four or five times. And I don't know why I don't think to say this, but after the fact, I think, you ever had somebody say something and you get down the road, Brother Martin, you thought, man, I wish I'd have said this when they said that. Have y'all ever thought that? And you're just, you know, hitting yourself saying, man, I'm going to be ready next time. Now, don't even hide your halo. Sometimes people say, man, I remember when I first come here. Well, the reason it's not the way it was is because you're not the way you were. I've seen it too many times in this place. I've watched people come in, and boy, I'm telling you, you know what they're like? I'm going to tell you what they're like, Brother David. They're, they're like a, I'm trying to get a good illustration for this one, amen? I'm telling you what they're like. I mean, they're, they're like, I, I, don't even, I can't even think of one good enough. I mean, that's how bad it is. But they come to church, and I'll tell you what they're like. They're like when a new restaurant opens up in town. They watch the building go up. They watch the sign go on. They're like, man, we're, you know what we're getting in town? We're getting jacks. <laughs> man, we're getting, we're getting a jacks. I don't know anybody excited about Jacks, but probably some poor old soul here is excited about Jacks. And you know, I don't care what it. Man, we're getting a Bojangles. Or did you hear? Uh, I mean, we're getting a, we're we're getting this. Man, they just watch it and can't wait for the doors to open. 
and they're Johnny on the spot. They walk in, they eat it, man, it's the best thing, and they're telling everybody about it. Have you been to Jack's? (laughs) It's the best. And then six months later, I don't want to go to Jack's today. Man, if I go to, nah, I've done ate everything on the menu. I'm not really in it. I just not, I'm just not in the mood for jacks. And that's the way people are in church membership. So when they walk through the door, I'm not saying everybody's that way, but I've seen a lot of them come in. I mean, listen, they're sitting there gobbling up the singing. They're gobbling up the preaching. I'm not saying you new members are that way, but I'm not saying you're not that way neither, amen. I'm just telling you what I've seen in 20 plus years or in 20 years almost uh, is people will come. uh, And man, I mean, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Just hold on six months or a year or three. How excited are you then? When the new wears off. When you've heard that choir sing. When you know the preacher's mannerism. You see, a lot of times we get to the place where the things that were so precious to us, uh, it's like a family because it's there and because we think it's always going to be there. Sometimes we fall asleep. We become numb to the things of God. And what I'm saying is, uh, is listen, if you Gethsemane means going a little bit further, if you're going to go further with God, you got to be willing to go to Gethsemane. There's 72 steps from Bethlehem to Calvary. There's 72 places where Jesus went. Hand me that mic, Brother David. 72 steps. And along those 72 steps, you can can study every one of them. And as as you study those 72 steps, guess what? Gethsemane is one of them. And you cannot get to Calvary without going through Gethsemane. And I'm not talking about necessarily just in the manner of salvation, but even in our Christian life, we all need Gethsemane experiences. We all have to be willing to go a little bit further. I was praying, I said, God, what do you want me to do about this meeting? I really thought on Friday this meeting would be over with Sunday night. God said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go a little further. I want you to go a little bit further. Now, some of you, that excites you, and some of you, that scares you to death. And some of you, it don't even matter. You know why? Because not everybody wants to go to Gethsemane. You know another reason why? Because not everybody gets to go to Gethsemane. And not everybody stays awake in Gethsemane. Why was Jesus going a little further? He went a little bit further for supplication. Say he needed to pray in verse number 36. Why did Jesus go a little further? He went a little further for the saints. He didn't go into Gethsemane for himself. He went into Gethsemane for those others that was with him. You see, what Jesus knew was they needed Gethsemane every bit as much as he needed Gethsemane. 
You see, a lot of times as we think about church, uh, I need this place as much as you need this place. And you need this place as much as I need this place. Where would I be without Bible Baptist Church? I know Bible Baptist Church isn't perfect. And I know there's other good churches somewhere out there. I don't know where they're all at, but I can tell you one thing. I need this place, don't you? I need this place for me. I need this place for my fam- my wife. I-, I need this place for my family. I'm telling you just as sure as the devil hates Gethsemane, the devil hates Bible Baptist Church. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, you know why I come? I come so that I can get help, but I come for the saints. Amen? The church needs me, and I need the church, and we all need Jesus. Amen? I'm telling you, Jesus went a little bit further, not for himself, but he went a little further for some others. Amen? Went a little further for the saints. He went a little further because of sorrow. His soul was exceedingly sorrow. Jesus knew that the only place he would find relief was in that place that he loved so much, inside the garden. Do you know if your heart is heavy, the only place you can find relief a lot of times is the church? Do you know tonight that the reason some people struggle so much is because church is not the priority in their life? You said, what are you saying, Brother Gravely? I'm saying you might be amazed if you put church at the top of your list and say, come hell or high water, sink or swim. It doesn't matter what I think. Uh, by the good grace of God, I'm going to go to church every time God gives me an opportunity. Every time the doors are open, I, I don't care what kind of a day I have. I, I don't care. Listen, I don't care how I feel. I don't care how much trouble the devil gives me. I'm going on. Uh, friend, listen, you don't just need church when you're up. Uh, you sure need it when you're down. Amen. There have been Sometimes I, I didn't think I could put one foot in front of the other, and church seemed like a Gethsemane. But I knew if I couldn't get help anywhere else, I, brother lady, I know on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, just like you said, there is a place beside Him. There's a place. There's a cleft in the rock. There's a place where I can find help. It's my Gethsemane. Hallelujah. Yes. Would you go a little further? Because of sorrow. He went a little further because of sovereignty. It was just the will of God that Jesus go in that garden. He didn't go a little further because he, he felt like it's a good thing to do. He went a little further because it was God's thing for him to do. And I want to tell you tonight, you'll never build a church off of people that won't commit to it. Amen. You gotta commit the time and you gotta commit the tithe. Somebody say amen. Good churches don't happen overnight. Somebody say amen to that. Good churches don't happen with a Sunday morning crowd. Good church. I love the Sunday morning crowd, but the truth is, you can't have a church on Sunday morning, just Sunday morning, and God help these churches that have canceled Sunday night and Wednesday night church. You know how unscriptural that is? They need to read Hebrews 10 and verse 25 where the Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now you can take this for what it's worth. I believe there's Bible on it and it can be on the internet. I'm okay with that too. Amen? But what I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of preachers that's going to have to give an account to God because they cancel church on a regular basis and starving people to death because all their interest 
interested in is swooping in a big crowd on Sunday and getting the money and going to the house and letting everybody else do what they want to do. I'm going to tell you something, friend, not at this place. Somebody say amen. We're going to have church on Sunday morning. We're going to have it on Sunday night. We're going to have it on Wednesday night. And if that's too much church for this crowd, it's just too much church. Amen. But I will tell you something, friend. There's a lot of times I'd have dried up on my vine. There's a lot of times I'd have drowned in my sorrow and my storm. But would it have been for a good Sunday night service, a good Wednesday night testimony service where God passed by and did a work in our heart. Amen. And for anybody sitting here tonight that you think for one second you're going to raise godly kids teaching them to lay out a church. You are fooling yourself with a capital F, friend. You teach your kids it's okay to miss Wednesday night, I promise you they'll start missing Sundays when they get older. You teach them it's okay to lay at the house and watch the Braves on Sunday night. Come on now. You teach them it's okay to lay out a church. You think they're ever going to have a prayer life? You think they're ever going to read their Bible and walk with God? I'm going to tell you what kids are starving to death for. They're starving to death for some leadership. They're starving to death of not just any kind but spiritual leadership. Had a man say to me one time, he said, well, he said, I, I know it ain't right from the Miss Sunday night church to play Little League, but you know, I taught my kids, uh, if you start something, you better finish it. I said, yes, like Sunday night church. Amen. If you taught them to start church, uh, you ought to finish church. Amen. Hey, fooey on Little League. Somebody say amen. Hey, uh, fooey on all this ball. I believe like Brother James Langston said if you threw a ball into hell most Baptists would go running after it amen there's a drunk on entertainment I'm saying friend if you're going to raise a godly family you're going to have to teach them church is number one in their life amen I know people get providentially hindered I know they get sick and if you're running 103 degree temperature do us all a favor stay at home Amen. But don't put soap under your arm and then stick the thermometer there so it'll read 103. Amen. Don't stand over a heater and then put it under your arm. Don't let one sniffle run out your, your nose and say, well, we're not going to church tonight. I used to laugh at that song, but now it's become a reality. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Whole crowd stay home to blow their nose. And one kid gets a sniffle, and guess what happens? The whole family stays home. You say, well, Brother Gravely, what are we supposed to do? Leave one at home and bring the rest of them. Well, we're having a good time tonight, ain't it? I'm really setting the tone for this week, ain't I? Hey, I'm telling you, we got to have some faithfulness if we're going to keep a church. Because we'll lose it if we don't. We won't have this no more. What would you do if you didn't have this place? What would you say? Well, we got people that are faithful. It takes everybody, friend. Jesus went a little further. How about it tonight? You going to go a little further? I had a man tell me this week, he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to come visit you one Sunday. And I said, well, I said, you better check with your pastor before you come visit. And he said, well... He said, I'm not a member. He said, and he just told the truth. He said, he said, I can do what I want to. I didn't join that church. I said, you know, you might ought to stay over there. 
I smiled when I said it. You know where we're at today? God help us. We'll never have revival if we're not willing to go a little further. Many other things I'm going to close. He went a little further because it was the will of God sleeping us. They were people asleep. So Jesus, you know what Jesus could have done? He was as tired as they are because He was as much man as they were. And Jesus could have looked at them and said, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. I think I'll just lay down and take me a little nap too, boys. But you know what he did? He said, no. Y'all sleep on. He said, I'll just go a little further. Nobody else won't, I will. That's the spirit you got to have tonight. Nobody else won't pray, I'll pray. Nobody else won't pass out tracts, I'll pass out tracts. Nobody else won't witness. Nobody else won't get a burden. I'll get a burden. It doesn't mean that others won't, but we have to take that responsibility on us as if nobody else will. As long as we're leaning on somebody else will do it, guess what? That's where we get in trouble, isn't that right? He went a little further because of their slothfulness. The Bible said they were heavy asleep. Good old Georgia language, that just means they're snoring. Amen? Then I want to say this in closing. You know why Jesus, the benefit of going, what is the benefit of going a little further? The benefit of going a little further was because of salvation. Why would Jesus walk that lonely road all by himself? Why would Jesus pray until his sweat became his great drops of blood? Why would Jesus allow Judas to kiss him and betray him? Because there was a greater goal in mind. Serving Christ, living his life down here, when never was about Judas. It never was about Peter, and it never was about Mark, and it never was about John. You say, well, who was it about? It was about doing the Father's will. And Jesus said, I'll go a little further. And on the top of that hillside, because Christ went, guess what? Our salvation was purchased. You know, the benefit of going a little bit further is this tonight. Had Jesus not done what the, what the Bible says here in, verse, in this verse, in verse, number, in verse number 39, had Jesus not went a little further, let me tell you the, what would have happened, the end result. None of us would be sitting in this church tonight. Had He not went a little further, every one of us would be doomed to hell. Our children would have no hope. Christ went a little further. I was praying this afternoon. God said, that's what I want you to do. I want this church to go a little further. I don't know what all God's doing, but He's doing something, isn't He? This is a church revival if I've ever seen one. I called that pastor this afternoon. I said, preacher, I said, I, said, I, I know I told you I'd come. And I said, I wasn't lying to you, but I said, I really thought on Thursday that I'd never be uh, facing this on Sunday night. But I said, I just really prayed. And I said, I really feel like that I said, I want to be there with you. I want to. I know you're going through a very difficult time, but I said my church has to come first. And I said I really feel like God uh, wants this meeting to go on. And I said I'm really praying for you. You know, I had one of the best phone calls. He said, "Brother," he said, "God will take care of me." He said, "If that's what God wants," he said, "I'm behind you." And I believe God will take care of him. How many of y'all pray for that man? Amen. God's able to help him. But I tell you tonight, I thought this morning, just a little nudge, 
God said, I hadn't told you anything yet. And I thought this morning, I hadn't had liberty like I had this morning in probably months. And it was, it was, it was a lot freer this morning. It's been a long time. I had great liberty tonight. You just don't know. You don't know. We don't know the, the weight of a lot of decisions we make in life. We don't know that this could be a crossroads. I'm not trying to manipulate nobody. I'm just trying to tell you the truth tonight. What we have, if we keep it, could very well depend on what God does in this morning. I don't know that, but I don't, you don't know that that's not so. All I know is I've watched more churches die in the last five years than I've seen my whole Christian life. I've watched more preachers quit. Now, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about get out of church, but just say I'm tired of pastoring church, churches. I've never seen a time when so many churches are without pastors. I've never seen a time when so many preachers will take other church members, steal them and rob them from other preachers. I've never seen a time like this. I've never seen a time when there's so many careless saints and so much trouble in the home. Young people in trouble. Mom and dad and husbands doing things that you never thought they would do. Wives doing things. And in the midst of this crazy church world we live in, Seem like anything goes nowadays in church, doesn't it? And the people that will follow suit sometimes shocks me. Because this church does it and this church... You know what a lot of preachers are doing today in our realm? I'm talking about Brother Rattery, the men that we would that we would associate with. You know what they do? They take a church and they get tired of the battle. They get tired of fighting and not growing and they look over at some contemporary church and here's what they say seen it too many times brother Casey this is what they say well I'm not going to do that I'm not going that far I'm just going to borrow a few ideas and they just turn the dial just a little bit just turn it a little bit because they know the congregation brother McDaniel wouldn't go that way if they, but little by little it's like putting a frog in boiling water you know what I'm talking about little by little they turn the dial you know why? Because they're trying to do something to produce some kind of life. And I'm going to tell you, let this go on record tonight. The only thing that's going to produce life is some people that'll stay hungry, stay dedicated, that'll be committed, that'll pray, that'll seek God's face. That's the only thing to put life in a church. That'll walk in the ways of God and let God's blessing be on their life. Amen. I wonder tonight as we stand there, heads about, eyes are closed. I want to go a little further, don't you? Maybe tonight you need to come. You just obey God. You do what God tells you to do tonight. Maybe there's some area of your life that you just need to surrender to the Lord tonight. And say, God, would you help me? He'll help you tonight. None of us have it all together. I'm telling you, this this pastor included. I need God has so raked me over the coals in this meeting. This seemed like He just working on me in so many areas of my life, and I need it. It's 
Sometimes it's painful, but I tell you, I need it tonight. If you need to move closer, you just obey the Lord. That's all I ask you to do while we sing a verse. You just mind the Lord tonight. If He speaks to you, you come.